Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you've come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and as always a little bit of entertainment. Well, how are we this week? Are you motivated and fired up to train and race after watching the Olympics? I feel like I could sleep for a week after being glued to the coverage, but totally worth the late nights and the early mornings to enjoy the coverage. What were your highlights of the Games? There were so many magical moments, I found it hard to pick a favourite. I can't wait for the Paralympics to start, more marathon sports watching to embrace. I finally dug out my wetsuit and trisuit last week, yes, don't laugh, and took part in the Galway Triathlon Club Aquathon training race, a 900 metre river swim and a 5k run. I was so nervous. The last time I raced a triathlon was at Ironman 70.3 in Mallorca in 2017. Yes, 2017. It seems like so long ago. My wetsuit had barely been worn since then, so it was some shock getting used to it. It was so weird being a participant rather than a spectator or announcer at the race start, but it was so much fun. And I even surprised myself with my own performance and how much I actually enjoyed it. I was simply buzzing after it. I've also signed up to the Galway Bay Swim for Cancer Care West this month, a challenge to complete 13 kilometres of open water swimming throughout the month of August. You can find out more about that on the website www.trytalkingsport. Now, I got off to a slow start, but I am hoping to make up some distance and time as the month progresses. The plan slash challenge for me is to complete the minimum 13k in skins and then try to get as much additional distance completed as possible in either skins or the wetsuit. I suspect I'll be spending a lot of time in the water towards the end of this month. It will be a race against time, weather and jellyfish to try and complete it. Never mind that my arms will probably be falling off me by the end of the month, but it will be worth it. Now, speaking of racing, Chris Mintern took third place at Ironman Poland, 70.3 Gdynia at the weekend. His first international podium as a professional athlete. Go, Chris. Such a fabulous performance by the Corkman. There are plenty more podiums to come for him and I can't wait to see how his racing unfolds over the coming months. Closer to home, Joe Barr raced the Wild Atlantic Way last week, his second attempt at completing the distance from Muff in Donegal to Kinsale in County Cork. Whilst his Guinness World Record was waiting validation at the time of recording this, he covered 2,434 kilometres with over 23,000 metres of climbing in 127 hours and 46 minutes. Let's just digest that for a minute. 2,434 kilometres, 23,000 metres of climbing in 127 hours and 46 minutes. He is a machine. It was unreal. This week on the podcast, I chat with Sam Laidlow, a young, hungry, ambitious and successful triathlete who has some serious goals and aspirations in sport, including winning the Ironman World Championships. He will be the youngest professional athlete at 22 years of age on the start line in Kona this year, earning his slot at Ironman UK last month. With a string of successes to his name already, including being the winner of the Bearman Extreme Long Distance Triathlon in 2017 and the Lakesman in 2019, where he set the fastest long distance triathlon time ever recorded in the UK. He won that race in a time of 8 hours and 21 minutes. In the same year, he finished 7th at Ironman Barcelona in a time of 8.05. He was recently 2nd at Ironman UK behind Joe Skipper, which saw him jump up the PTO rankings to 26th on the global list. Moving to France's family as a young child, he grew up embedded and engrossed in triathlon as his parents set up Sanctuary Sportif's triathlon training camps in the south of France. 
Surrounded by sport, meeting a wide range of athletes from different cultures and backgrounds, his passion for triathlon was fueled, and the fire ignited to pursue a life in sport where anything is possible. Sam has a drive, focus and commitment to the sport that many of us can be inspired by. He is still very young in age, but he is very much dedicated to his craft. He may have big goals and dreams, but I fully expect that those goals and dreams will become a reality and Sam Laidlow is one to watch for the future. Enjoy the show. Sam, welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast. Thanks for having me on my first Irish podcast. First and only Irish podcast, maybe. (laughs) So Sam, tell me, where in the world are you today and what are you up to? I am in the south of France in a place called Formo, which is the National Altitude Training Centre here in France. Uh, lots of lots of the Olympians have just left for Tokyo, some are coming back. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm kind of living like a monk and training. Living like a monk and training, but this is the life you've chosen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a simple life, like, but... Um, no, yeah, you have to enjoy the simple things. And sometimes uh, when I have a main goal in sight, I like to just um, basically put all the chances towards the chances I've got to, to to perform, if you know what I mean. And it means cutting out all the little things that 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 you normally have to do. Like, I don't know whether it's, well, I say go shopping, I still have to go shopping. But you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's very limited what I have to do here. There aren't any nightclubs, there aren't any... There are a few bars, but I haven't been to them. Um, so, yeah, I'm just focused and determined, ready to train. Sam, you were second at Ironman UK about a month ago now at this stage. You've also won the Lakesman Triathlon and did a, a blistering race there in, in 2019, a record that still stands on British soil. Yeah. You've kind of flown under the radar a little bit, maybe, until kind of 2019. And obviously COVID came in then last year and you've had some fantastic results as well this year. But for the listeners who mightn't be familiar with you, I want to take you right back and tell me, how did you get involved in sport generally? Like as a kid growing up, how did you end up in triathlon? How did you end up in France? I'll try and I'll try and tell the story in a different way than I normally do, because um, I get the feeling by now everybody knows that all my family are in in triathlon so basically they they moved to moved to france when i was three years old um with that a kind of dream idea of setting up a business in the sunny south of france and it all being plain sailing and turns out it's it's bloody tough to 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 own a business in france and um and so i basically saw them struggle and work and work and work and um i think that's partly where my work ethic comes from now they have a very successful business and Every year we're doing better, and yeah, I think it was also the perfect environment for for me, basically, because we're a very small family-run business, and I got to see people from all different cultures all over the world uh, come to our place, and we eat with them, train with them, and when you're growing up like that, I mean, you can't, yeah, just every every person I've met has has played a small role. I've taken the positives from each person and and learned from that. And what was the connection to France? um they were just they were just looking for well let's be honest nobody's going to come on the training camp to the uk are they <laughs> <laughs> so they wanted to set up a triathlon training camp business and they 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 looked all over france and they just kept going south until until basically we couldn't really get any any further south otherwise it was spain but then um at the time uh michelle's family didn't want to go to spain so so yeah we decided to, to stop there and now we yeah we we love it we wouldn't think of of going back um we do, I think, miss the British people a bit, but not so much Britain. 
And in terms of, I suppose, your own background in sport, then you're growing up surrounded by all of these different nationalities, these cultures, these athletes coming and going in your life. But from your own perspective, when did you start showing an interest in sport? Uh, showing an interest in sport in general, I've I've always been, I've always loved all different sports and I, I did a bit of everything as a kid. Uh, my parents were, were very good at not um, forcing triathlon on me and... I did a fair bit of skateboarding, a fair bit of handball, a uh, fair bit of rugby. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much everything. And then, and then it just slowly narrowed down as I got as I got older. And every year, I mean, I, I was I was watching Kona, and I was just like, from very early on, I I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And if you would have asked me when I was like eight or nine, if you asked me what I wanted to do later on, I'd say, yeah, I want to be a professional triathlete and and I want to win Kona. And I haven't really I haven't really deviated too too much. So, from that from that goal when I'm I'm lucky enough to have found what I really wanted to do in life very early on which I feel some people don't necessarily have if you know what I mean or they find it later on so what's your very first memory of Kona uh just just staying up at night you know them because it's not obviously in our time zone and so just yeah endless nights where where you watch where you watch them and then the bike seems boring as hell but I didn't find it boring and everybody else would fall asleep and yeah, and it's still the same to this day. I mean, even even now, I, I well, last year I remember watching it, um, and yeah, my whole family fell asleep apart from me, and and yeah, this year I'm gonna I'm gonna be there, so it's gonna be pretty cool, pretty cool. Yeah, so you were second at Ironman UK uh, in Bolton, and I know you had wanted to win it. That was your goal, but your other goal was to qualify for Kona, and in fact, you have another goal, which is to go sub eight uh, this year. Barcelona you did an 805 there so you do have your eyes on a sub eight hour Ironman somewhere but talk to me about the excitement around going to Kona before we come back and talk about your previous racing results. Yeah as I said it, it's it all seems to have come a bit a bit quick in a way um, it's funny because well I remember three years ago drawing out this line of uh, like the steps to get to get to where I wanted to be and how I would how I would win Kona and what was what was feasible how many years it would take me and what were the what were the steps so what year I would qualify and stuff and I remember this year was the first year where I was like right this year I have to qualify which would be the first stepping stone um and this was what I wrote like three years back and yeah it was uh this year if you would have asked me at the start of this year I would have been like well there's no chance I think I was ranked 246 in the world but yeah, I mean, even I kept training and kept at it. And then funny enough, like this season seemed to go pretty well. So yeah, although ha- having said that, I'm I'm really not happy with how, how I qualified. I didn't, I didn't at all execute the race I wanted. I felt really, really bad the whole, the whole day in Bolton with terrible stomach cramps. And I think, I think I made the error of going in the water the day before, but two days before in the, the Bolton water and it, did some some weird things to my body um and yeah that's why suddenly after after like after i think it was 33 kilometers just the wheels completely fell off and i started seeing blurry and i wasn't in a good place at all looking at the data there's nothing that shows that i should have bonked like that even my sugar levels and everything were right so it's a bit of a mystery and i'm 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 pretty sure that on a good day I could I could have executed that race right to the end you did have the fastest swim and the fastest bike on the day yeah, and then I just need the fastest run now. So, no, yeah, I mean, I, could, I don't think I could have run faster than Joe, but um, I mean, when I still had ten minutes lead to go with ten k to go, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have thrown that away. And I don't know, I don't know how I did, but um, fair play to to him. I mean, it was an amazing run on that course, especially. And yeah, as that come back to Kona, I think 
Um, I don't, I don't really realize what it is. It's all going to be, it's all going to be new to me. In a way, it's going to be new, and in a way, it's not because, as I said, I've been watching this race for, uh, for ten years now or more. Um, so yeah, it'll feel pretty surreal. But um, I just want to go there and see how long I can stay, stay with the front. And then if I blow up, I blow up. But um, that's just the way I like to race, and we'll see what happens. You mentioned in your blog after Bolton that you hit the wall very hard and went to the scariest place you've ever been. Genuinely, the overwhelming feeling was fear during yeah. those last 30 minutes of racing. Yeah, it was it was really bad. Um, just because it wasn't it wasn't the state that um, I felt was at all kind of, it wasn't like due to sporting performance, like it wasn't me pushing myself to the limit. It was just suddenly feeling really really unwell and i knew i as i said the whole day like the swim i mean okay the, the swim was what it was i didn't feel awesome and then as soon as i got on the bike i started cramping in my arms in my stomach and like i would go to get my bottle behind my saddle and like my whole my whole abs would just completely cramp and seize and stay in that position and it was just weird because it wasn't even a hot day and i'd done an ironman in like 30 degrees in in spain like five weeks prior and I didn't, I didn't get a single cramp. So there was no, it was, I don't think it was heat. Um, it was just one of them. Yeah. That's the problem with Ironman. If you have, it's Cameron Worth who said it. And he said, if you have a weakness, um, Ironman will sure find it out. And uh, unfortunately that day I did. So, so yeah. How do you keep your focus, Sam, when you're, you know, you're midway through the ride, you know, you're, you feel like you're cramping, you feel like crap and you know that you still have to run a marathon. How do you keep the demons from your shoulder telling you to pull up or to not continue or to maybe just to give up? How do you stay focused to get across that finish line? Now, I can tell you, you frightened the life out of me when you crossed that finish line um, <laughs> because you literally landed on the floor in front of me seven seconds ahead of Leon, completely and utterly in probably one of the darkest places you've ever probably gone to, I imagine, in your training or racing history. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I am known for being able to, to really suffer, but I, th that was different because at, at the end when I was in the medical tent, they took my temperature and I was like over 38 degrees or something. So I basically overheated. So it was like, it was like an immune response to something, um, which is, as I said, it's weird because I raced in really hot conditions before and I didn't overheat. So it may, it may have been a bit too much because I, I raced quite a bit beforehand. I did, I did an Ironman a week after that Ironman, I did 70.3. Um, and then four weeks after that, I came to Bolton. So I don't know if that plays a role, but yeah, what keeps me motivated? Um, I mean, for starters on the bike, I really felt like quitting, but I was first and I had like a 10 minute lead. So <laughs> I, could, I couldn't quit then. Um, so that's one of the things, but then on the run, uh, when it, when it gets really, really horrible, um, what keeps me going I've noticed is for me is it, the bigger the team I create around me, kind of the more people that support me, um, the more people I have to let down. And I don't think I've ever, don't think I've ever really done this sport, uh, or this whole project of mine for myself in a way I've kind of done it to give back to, to all those who have invested time and in, which are primarily my, my family and those who really believed in me. Um, but slowly I've come to realize that the bigger the team I create, the more, the more people I have to let down. So I just, I just can't, if you know what I mean? And that's a, it's one thing I think the very best people are great at doing, if you know what I mean, whether it's, whether it's yarn in, in triathlon or, or Hamilton in formula one, it's just that I genuinely think that they've got so many people to let down that they just, they don't leave themselves that choice. Do you not think that adds to the extra pressure? 
to perform. Yeah, I think so. I think some people, some people, yeah, see it that way, and some people don't. But I've, I, when I used to race for myself, that's when I used to put far too much pressure on myself. Um, but when I raced for other people, and I noticed it because I start, I did a few like team races, like relays, and I would always do really well um, in the junior ranks and then relays compared to the individual race um because i was affected because i couldn't let my team down but i could let myself down um so that's yeah that's what i tell myself and um my, the main the main driving force is is really my brother my i have a younger brother who's 10 years younger and i just want to be i just want to be an example to be honest and yeah show that that you can achieve whatever you want i saw a gorgeous photograph of you and your brother on instagram during the week so he's obviously not with you in your monk camp in france no he's not <laughs> no no he's not he's uh he's at home at the skate park and playing with his mates far too busy to, to be thinking about me which is good for his age and as a young athlete because you are so young to be stepping up to the Ironman distance really and to be so successful at the Ironman distance races how important is it for you to be a role model I know you mentioned for your brother but there's going to be a lot of younger athletes maybe looking at you now saying gosh he didn't do the traditional route maybe he was brought up in the environment where it was more feasible for him to be successful at a young age at long distance racing but how important is it for you to be that role model for other people aside from your brother yeah i think it's something that that same that really keeps me really keeps me motivated i know that hopefully in in a few years we'll see athletes go straight into to ironman and up until now it's it's been really frowned upon um just because people have always said that you need to do speed when you're younger and then build towards endurance but um but in other sports we're seeing it that we're seeing great athletes dominate endurance sport at a very young age and before we started recording i was talking about the tour de france for instance or even when you look at the olympics this year i mean in triathlon or or even loads of the sports it's just the podiums are so young um because people specialize so early and for instance i don't see why you I don't see why you teach your body, for instance, to to be able to produce a load of lactate and, and sprint to do short course and then and then oh halfway through your career switch and trying to become more efficient. It doesn't for me it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um and I don't think I don't think because you go straight to Ironman you necessarily lose your speed. Um and Lucy Charles is a great example of that. I mean, if she committed now to the Olympics, I'm pretty sure she would do fairly, fairly well. <laughs> um so so yeah, I think I think it's just a question of time before it comes to triathlon, and and I'm yeah I feel kind of privileged that, um, that I am one of the first first people to make that move so young. But it was a really hard decision to switch from because I just kind of I was just naturally always getting pulled into train tracks, even though I wanted to always do Kona. I was naturally going down the short course route because that's what the federation supported, and they would send us to these races and that races, and that's what we that's what I just presumed was what I had to do um and although it was good i was racing like on what we call the french grand prix uh circuit so i was racing against brownleys and gomez and i was i was like 14 15 so it was super fast and and it was a great experience but i was just getting no pleasure out of it really and um yeah, at one point i just i completely lost the motivation when i was on the start line and had no i just realized at one point i i wasn't i didn't want to be there and so then i I basically moved away from where I was, Montpellier, the French training place. Uh, and then for almost three, four months, I came very, very close to quitting the sport. Um, and I was lucky enough to have 
a really supportive family. So I even after three months of like staying in Girona to see if I liked it there, I ran out of money. So then I moved back home. And when I moved back home, first I seriously questioned whether it was all worth it or not. And although I'd completely lost faith in, in my project because I was so far off, in my eyes so far off being a great in, in triathlon, I don't think my parents ever lost ever lost faith. And yeah, I mean, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just tough. And I, I've always had that, that drive and determination to be great. But if it wasn't for my parents at that point, I probably, I probably would have quit. So, um, so yeah, just the, the small things. And if there are any parents listening, um, your child's likely going to hit a real rough spot when he's, when he's somewhere between 17 and 23. Um, and, and yeah, I think when that point you really have to keep believing in your child and make sure he, he gives it everything he's got. And, and do you think was that just from, say, the short course racing, Sam, or was it a mix of, you know, it's it's a it's a strange time for kids growing up. I mean, we see it with girls as well. They drop out of sport, you know, in secondary school. Yeah. Was here in Ireland, we would call it secondary school. You know, it's a kind of a it's a roller coaster time for young adults, teenagers becoming young adults that it wasn't maybe just the motivation for the sport and the sprint racing, but it was maybe just life in general. Yes, I mean it's it's difficult, but I kind of, I kind of think that you get somewhere in life with a mix of like still having that child like dream, but mm-hmm. or like yeah, the dreaming of a child whilst somehow being mature, and it's it's kind of weird mix. Yeah, I get. I guess when you hit when you hit that spot, um, you often so you, you you as I said, you're a child and you're you're dreaming of whatever you want to be, an astronaut or whatever you want to be, and then slowly you go to school and people people tell you to to become a a whatever an accountant or or this or that and you're young so you don't think of anything else if you know i mean unless you're really stubborn like i am then then you're not you're not going to question it and so slowly people kind of dampen your dreams and and then you get to that age where you have to make a decision so you're it's like okay now do i do i study uh, and stop sport or in, in the uk you can it's quite good for studying and doing sports still but then you get to point where you need to choose if you get a job and do sport or but in France it's really difficult and it's really sudden you can kind of do sport and school really well at a younger age but then suddenly as soon as you've passed your your baccalaureate so when you're 18 it's like okay now you have to make a decision you either commit fully to sport and hope you make it or just do just studies if you know what I mean um and I know very very few people have done both um it's very hard in France so so yeah I mean it's yeah it's difficult and obviously lots of parents I think one that kind of don't know anything else either and they just want that financial security of of yeah of earning the and living a proper job sam a proper job yeah exactly a proper job and people people said that a thousand times to me and um and my mum would always get super annoyed because she'd say like things like well you don't go asking the doctor what he's going to do next to his job of a doctor as a proper job like yeah so and I'm not being disrespectful about not saying it's a proper job because my mother continues to say to me you know when are you going back to getting a proper job? <laughs> you know, I had a proper job for many years and ditched it all in. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but there is there is that side of it. There, and I think there's a huge part of it, Sam, as well as, you know, following your passion and following your your dream. And I think, you know, we'll often come back to it. You know, if you had gone on to college or university, rather than pursuing the, the full-time athlete aspect of it, professional yeah. athlete side, you know, you you would have found a way to participate in triathlon anyway. I think, would you? I I, I probably no. I I think if yeah, as I said before, if I wasn't for my parents and stuff, I, I probably would have stopped. And 
I, I, I'm pretty convinced that whatever I would have taken up, I would have been very committed to. So if, if I'd stopped triathlon, I would have committed fully to whatever it was I, I was doing. If you know what I mean, one thing that I do think is really important is kids who do sport young kind of get taught, get taught self-discipline and respect. And so many, so many factors that I think play a role in, in even in business, if you know what I mean, in general. So even if they weren't to go down the sporting line, I think what, what you can gain from, from doing sports as a, as a young kid is, is really great. And even, even adults who haven't done it, who tend to take up sport, it just kind of, I think you, you see it so much, but it gives them a kind of, um, almost like a more self-respect uh and more self-worth and they yeah just getting into a routine i think is is really important and both my dad and me coach athletes and and we see it so much it's just that they're okay okay they want they're paying for the coaching but they're also paying more than anything they're paying for somebody to keep on top of them and to kind of keep that routine going for them if you know what i mean because they want to wait they want to go to bed each night knowing what session they're going to do the next day and also feel like they've accomplished something on the day that they've done something as well. And what's quite interesting there, Sam, is that you talk about, you know, the, I suppose, the traits or the characteristics that we have as athletes. And when yeah. you go to look uh, at people hiring staff for work or for all those proper jobs that we we didn't mention earlier, um, you know, you're looking at discipline, routine, organisational skills, communication skills. All of those things are transferable that when you are an athlete, they're transferable into a business sense. And as a professional triathlete, you are a mini business yourself yeah yeah and I mean it's something that I'm only just starting to realize this year but um because I only from this year I started to work with a manager and and as I said create just a, t a team around you if you know what I mean and um I'm honestly amazed by how coming back to like for instance Formula One how whoever's like the manager or the whatever you call him at the uh, Mercedes how many people are under him and how you organize that many people it's just it's just bonkers if you know what I mean it's such a long chain and that's what that's what makes success um and I think as I said before Jan's got got an amazing team and more than anything that's what makes him so good um in my eyes you know there is a I think it's an African proverb and it's if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together yeah yeah definitely yeah I don't know if it's African, but yeah, I've I think, heard it I think it might be. I think it might be African. Now, I could be. I, I could be. Um, I think it's I Irish. Be, I could be Irish. I could try and put an Irish twist on it, um, but I'd have to probably mention leprechauns and shamrocks yeah. and Guinness and and yeah, things like that. Yeah. Sam, we kind of skipped and rambled an awful lot there in in what we were chatting about, which was great. But will you come back and tell the listeners for me? You know, your kind of your trajectory from the time you got into racing, I suppose, really uh, on doing some of those sprint races and the Grand Prix. And how you've ended up now uh, ranked number twenty six in the PTO rankings? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, when I when I moved back to my to my house with my parents, I sat down with them and uh, I said, right, every week we're going to have a family meeting, and that's how we're going to get this this family to to grow and to be better, and for all of us to, to just get get our goals, if you know what I mean, set and and organised. And um, although having said that. They kind of they both my parents mainly live for me, so I kind of I do kind of get the feeling that they're mainly my goals that are talked about, but but still. Um, so I, I basically said, right, in how, how I want to win Kona, and now let's work back what the steps to to do that. And so yeah, I think I I never once I'd come come back home, I, I was pretty adamant I wanted to do long distance. And ever since I'd been a kid, I've always I've always been able to just go on for longer, and it's always been what I wanted and enjoyed so 
at one point I had to stop the the short course because I was I was a good swimmer and a good biker, but I just I didn't have the the run speed. Um, I, before I did Ironman, I would have told you just because I was a terrible runner as such. But I've done a few Ironmans now where my runs almost been better than my bike and my and my swim. So it wasn't that I wasn't good. It was just that I didn't necessarily have the speed. And yeah, so I did. I think the first Ironman I did was when I was eighteen. I did the Bearman, which is an Ironman my parents organised. And at that point, I was—I hadn't quite moved back home, so I've gone back again. Um, I was still completely racing short course, and I was just like, it was the end of the season, and I was like, two days before, I said to my dad, "If I started, how far do you think I could go?" Bear in mind, this is like one of the hardest Ironmans in the world. In the world, it's got like five thousand meters of climbing on the bike or whatever, and two and a half on the run. And so I asked my dad, "How if I started, how far could I stay in front?" And he said, "Well, I don't know." So I was like, "Right, let's do it." And um, and I came off the bike with like a 30 minute lead. And from that point on, I just had to, I just had to not walk really. And um, so I hobbled around and, and won that. And that's when I, I believe that I could actually carry on forever. Um, although, although Bolton this year really showed that I couldn't. Um, so, so yeah, from there on, I kind of, the, my first, my initial goal was, was to go sub eight in, in, in Barcelona at 20 years old. Um, and so I, a year before I'd committed to that and I trained my ass off and already the races are not in October and already in February I was like peaking I was I, I didn't realize how much I trained and how fit I was and I knew nothing at that that point about how to peak for a race or whatever and so I remember coming back from a camp in Lanzarote and doing my monthly blood checkups and I was like in my head I just come back from the best camp of my life and I was like oh my bloods are going to be great and the doctor was like I know Sam, you've pushed it too far. You need to take two weeks off at least. Um, and obviously, this was like the season was just starting, so I wasn't going to take two weeks off. I was like, nah, I feel good. And carry on. And, and from that point on, it was just it was just a real roller coaster. And I was in, I went to some really dark places uh, during that season because there was just so many highs, so many lows. If you know what I mean? Uh, I think that was the that was the year I won the Lakesman, even though I wasn't planning to do my, that race. My dad was down to do it, but he got injured, so I just I just went and did it um that went really well because i ran like a 247 marathon or something which for me is something i didn't think i was i was capable of um and after that it just it just went back down here again uh i put on a load of weight broke a rib and this was like i still had a month i think i had a month to go before for barcelona um and i was so so unfit for my in my terms and so I decided I had to put all, like, I had to do everything I could. So I moved to to a friend's house in Austria and lived like a monk in Austria. <laughs> Stopped eating carbs, just a load of stupid things. Lost like lost about ten kilos in a month, and and got to Barcelona. And I was like, I was only on two cylinders really. If you know what I mean. So I'm I'm really happy with what I did on the day, but I knew it was I had so much more in me. I just I had no strength. I as I said, I stopped eating carbs. So I couldn't, whatever fuel I was taking on board, I wasn't really using it. And um, so, yeah, but in a way, I don't regret anything because I'm happy to have made the mistakes when I'm 20 and not when somebody starts doing Ironman when they're 30, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, hopefully that, that's why people say, oh, yeah, this guy's just lucky and he's full of talent. But I've been doing. I've been doing triathlon since I've been four years old, so I've got plenty of experience, if you know what I mean. I'm not a big believer in talent, to be honest. You're not a big believer in talent? No, not at all. Ah, uh, come on. <laughs> I, I, I swear I'm not. Because, like, I could give you a million and one examples, but I was 
I was the kid at the the, the school cross country. I'd be the only one who would train. I would never ever win it. I'd always be like fifth, sixth, seventh out of class of twenty, if you know what I mean. And this is just in your local, in your local school cross country. And there was so many things. But for instance, so where I'm at now, Farmo, I actually came. I actually, when I was thirteen, I, I moved here. Uh, like to go to like a sports school, uh, which is here, um, and there was a selection process to get through and I think six of us applied and I finished fifth and I didn't, I didn't get chosen uh, initially, but then for whatever reason, the first four people were all in the year above. So th- and there was no more spaces in that class. So at the last minute they said, no, you can't go. And I got chosen. And so it's such a small thing that set me off for so much afterwards because then the year after that I did a national podium and then, and then I got selected for blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, I think so many times I thought back to that and think, God, if, if that didn't happen, I don't know. I don't know what would happen. If you know what I mean, it's, it's, it's wow, just that, funny. Yeah. That's mad. So that one single decision for that switch up that you got to go instead of those guys was exactly, really yeah. a huge catalyst to your whole career. Uh, massively. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as I said, I, I, I don't know what would happen. I probably, I, I don't think I would have stopped for Athens immediately, but it, it opened so many doors, as I said, yeah, in the national podium. And then after I got selected by the French Federation to go on their team camps and then from team camps to the team centre and then from team centre to Poissy, which is the best triathlon club. And yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how then small things always happen to, to some. Yeah, so I do feel really lucky for that in that sense. Now, but I'm just, sure the French Federation didn't just take you on your good looks and your good hair they obviously saw some form of talent. So there has to be some talent somewhere. I mean, yeah, but then also I was the, I was the guy when I was on that, that sports school, I was the guy who, I remember we used to finish school at 4.30 and then we had to go back to like what we call study, you know, like at 5.15. And I would like rush from the bell to go, go, go to where we used to have our turbo trainers, quickly put my bike on turbo trainer pedal for like 25 minutes and then hop back on by my um, school stuff on as if I'd never done a training session um and yeah more than once I'd be I got seriously told off by the by the coach but um but yeah so I I've always had that that urge to just work very hard and sometimes almost too much because one of the problems with endurance sport is that it's not like people think it's kind of the no pain no gain kind of philosophy and the more you train the better you are but it's it's such i mean especially iron man it's such um such a, a one day particular event we have to be so good and it's such is i mean it's sport sports endurance is a science also so it's not just about who trains the most if you know i mean there's a million and one people who train more than me and there's a million and one people who train more than fredino who's the best guy at the moment so it's about just knowing what suits you and kind of managing to to have confidence because what i've come to notice is um when I've invested too much and tried to work too hard, the results don't necessarily follow. Um, for me, results come with with pleasure uh, and enjoyment, but that pleasure and enjoyment comes with kind of, um, for me, well, it comes, for everybody, it comes from something different, but for me, it comes from uh, having a balanced lifestyle and that balanced lifestyle includes having family and training regularly and to train regularly where you need to not push too hard because, if not then you'll be injured and then you will be down and so yeah there's so many so many factors to juggle and I suppose it's really about getting the consistency across 
all levels. Like there's no point in going to hell for leather for three weeks and then getting injured and having to take another three weeks off. Whereas if you recovered properly after your sessions, it didn't go too hard. And I think we, as even as age group athletes, we probably are victims of our own success in a way because we probably overtrain and try to juggle too much stuff. And then we can't understand why we're not getting the results or even with Zwift, like I was addicted to Zwift earlier in the year. I absolutely loved it. I still love it, but I'm not on it as much. But you you would get addicted to racing on it two nights a week and then you're fecked. You can't get out yeah. like two other days. So it's absolutely pointless killing yourself for two races if you can't swim, bike or run on other days because you're too wrecked after it. Oh, massively. Yeah, I think lots of lots of age groupers kind of... Um race to train rather than train to race if you know what i mean um and it, I, to- I totally understand why because um and uh, i've i've got uh, right in my head now i've got this picture of uh, a great friend of ours who comes out on camp who's who's also irish who who um he's an ex an ex boxer and he's just got that mentality of just like suffering as much as possible and uh i just I, I've, so many times i've told him to just kind of like remember that training the whole point of training is to train your body you know what i mean it's not to I mean, it's in the word training your body. It's not like trying to wreck your body. Um, so, but you, you understand because people have had a day at work and they've only got whatever, 45 minutes to train. And they're like, oh, I need to make the most of it. Let's kill these sessions. And then afterwards, I feel great. You know what I mean, but yeah, consistency doesn't necessarily come like that. And um, uh, yeah, just a lot of, we do a very boring sport in the sense that it's purely aerobic. So just in a lot of, simple aerobic work is is a good is a good start for most age groupers i think i want to come back to just that comment you made about um throwing your your bike up on the turbo in between your sessions and your schooling were you as dedicated to your schooling as you were to your training when you were in school um i hated i've always hated school but luckily i i was never i never struggled really um so yeah i was i wasn't the top one percent of my uh of the second biggest school in france which is a claim to fame. I'm not. I'm not really fussed about. But yeah, you were in the top one percent. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Oh wow. But, and can um, I, you're coached by your dad, isn't that right? Yeah, I am now. Yeah. So for the last um, the last three years, I've been I've been coached by my dad. Um, three yeah, three and a half years. Basically, when I moved back home, uh, I asked him to coach me. Uh, he's been a professional coach for 20, 20 plus years now. Um, and he come, so can, I, can I ask Sam sorry I know you were going to say something there but can I ask you know how does he or how do you draw the line between parent and child versus coach and athlete people always ask me that question but I've never known anything else if you know what I mean because I've grown up with my dad coaching athletes and coaching people and coaching me coaching my mum and now my brother and yeah so I, I guess when you don't know anything else then then you don't really question it is he harder on you than he is to some of the other athletes because he can get away with it? Um, he's nowhere near hard enough on me, I don't think. Um, he's like, he keeps telling me to eat more Haribos and, and have beers and stuff. So I kind of get the feeling that if I listen to him too much, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. But he knows <laughs> he knows what, what I'm like um, and he knows that I'm often too hard on myself. Um, and as I said before, kind of the the results come with with like pleasure and if you don't enjoy what you're doing then then yeah so no he's 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 always found that balance and also he's very good at moving on to something quickly so even if we did uh, have a row or something in session 
it generally only lasts that session and then we move on to something else if you know what I mean there's there's other things in life that are more important so so yeah yeah I just find it you know quite intriguing finding that balance between telling your dad as your coach like I'm not doing that session like I'm going to be a petulant child I'm not I'm not doing it versus you know being coached by an outsider and turning around to them would you be as stubborn saying I'm not doing that session or would you go ahead and do it anyway do you know that kind of way like I think one of the things that he's he's been brilliant at is he knows that part of part of the of my success comes with comes with confidence and that's same with anybody's anybody's like if you coach an athlete and that athlete doesn't believe in you no matter how good your coaching is you're not going to make him perform uh, that's just the way it is so often if i if i kind of if i propose something as a session if you know what i mean he'll kind of he'll just make me he'll, he'll let me do it and then if it's wrong then i'll i'll realize for myself okay. <laughs> uh, uh, and then uh but no we're, we're very good at kind of working together so i wouldn't say I wouldn't say that he just writes my plan, if you know what I mean, and then I follow it to the T. Uh, even though I would love to be like that, I would, I would really love to be like that. But unfortunately, I'm not at all like that. And I've always questioned all my coaches that I've that I've had, uh, and that's just unfortunately it's the way I am. But having said that, my dad is the person I question the least, if you know what I mean. All my other coaches uh, in my head, there was lots of things that I knew that they were telling me to do that they weren't necessarily right, and because I've always been so interested in in sports science also and kind of just my my own results I always wanted the best for me and and as I said before I'm very stubborn so I can I can think I'm right and and I'm not if you know what I mean so it hasn't always been great yeah and the other side of it as well is you know it's very positive because your dad is so invested in your success and and your future and your dad will want the best for you so I can totally understand him wanting you not to be totally focused and being a monk and actually having a couple of beers and while maybe watching Love Island or something while you're eating your Haribos you know I've, so I've never, I've, I'm unfortunate, unfortunately and I think this is why I came second in, in in Bolton I actually accidentally had to watch because I was staying at some friend's house. I had to accidentally watch Love Island for the first time. And I'm pretty convinced that if I didn't watch that, I would have won. I wonder did Joe Skipper watch Love Island before the race? Oh, he, he definitely watches Love Island, yeah. <laughs> so, Camilla, yeah. there's lots of banter between you and Joe Skipper. What's the story? Oh, nothing. I just It just annoys me that somebody who swims so badly does Ironman. But, um, but no, it's, um, it's all good banter. I mean, it's I think... People often are quick to are quick to kind of or are quite easily naive in in that sense, if you know what I mean. And it's it's funny because then between us, like we always send us messages of like, oh look what this guy said, look what that guy said. But um, <laughs> so but it's I think a friendly first... it's a friendly rivalry, and it's obviously good for both of you in terms of profile and having fun as well as part of the rivalry that you have when you're on the start line. Yeah, definitely. It certainly it certainly adds a bit more fuel to the fire on, on race day. And and I think to be honest, Cameron Worth was the first guy. Oh, well, in this generation, Cameron Worth was the first guy to bring it. Chris McCormack did it very well before. Um and I think it's great. I mean, that's what people watch it for. Uh and uh that's what they're trying to do, isn't it? The tri battle, trying to get people to kind of really go head to head. And no, I think it, I think it's great. And it's probably good as well, Sam, in a way, because, you know, you are an individual athlete. You're all individual athletes yourselves. As I mentioned earlier, you're all like little mini businesses. So you're all yeah. competing for the same prize money, the same podiums, the same Kona slots, you know. So it's almost like a bit of camaraderie as well as a bit of banter. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think I said it in my 
in one of them posts after the straight after Bolton. I think for me, respect goes without saying between athletes because it's just we all know how much we've invested in it, if you know what I mean. And we all know how much how hard we work, sorry. Um even if you completely hate somebody in the sport, you still respect him, if you know what I mean. Um not saying that I totally hate Joe Skipper, I just hate him a little bit, but <laughs> no, um yeah, as I said, it's I think it's and I think it's the same in all the sports, even even when you see MMA and stuff, there's a massive hype before and they, they talk so much shite about each other before, but then often at the end, if you know what I mean, they they always hug each other. So yeah, the harder I think the harder you work, the more respect there is. And if you look at the athletes that you're racing against now, who's the one or two that you maybe not idolize, but would want to line up against at every race? Oh, definitely, definitely Jan and probably only Jan, if you know what I mean. he. Um, it's weird because I, I stayed in Girona and I worked with the same doctor as him. I, I've never I've never trained with him and although kind of our, our paths should have crossed, um, the only time they really crossed were in the water in Gran Canaria this the start of this season. I think he kind of, he's very, he's very good at keeping in his own ways and not, not showing everybody else what he does and just training his own way and I, I I'm kind of like that I'm not at all comparing myself to him but I don't I don't necessarily go and train with groups even though here for instance there's loads of people to, to train with I know exactly what I need to do and I'm confident that that, that will work so um so yeah I think it's it's just a question of of confidence and having just a bit of a weird mentality if you know what I mean not not everybody I know not everybody gets on with Jan in, in the sporting world and I don't think not not everybody gets on with me um but but oh well that's that's just life yeah and I know you were ahead of Jan out of the water in that race that you mentioned and you were leading on the bike until you came a cropper on a on a puddle can I ask you what has been your I suppose your career highlight to date um I think it's difficult because I think my career highlight is, is just um it's not necessarily a race itself it's just moments often uh after after races where I'm with with my family and with my with my friends and kind of the job's done if you know what I mean and you just you, you know that you've ticked the box and and everybody's happy and sometimes that's even happened like for instance in Barcelona um I was so disappointed with my result but I didn't I didn't want to show it because I could see once I crossed the finish line that like the 15 people that had come and supported me, friends and family and stuff were, they were all, they were all content. Um, and they knew I'd given a hundred percent. That's, that's all I could wish for. Um, so I just decided to enjoy that moment. If you know what I mean? And I remember we were all on the, on a beach bar afterwards. And in a, even though deep down it really hurt that I didn't accomplish what I wanted to, it was still such a great moment to know that then people, was still there, still happy for me, um, even when it doesn't always go to plan. I know that you mentioned that you had wanted to go sub eight in Barcelona and we talked about how you were only firing on two cylinders, but I think our listeners should know that you did finish 8.05 despite all of the obstacles and challenges that were put in your way. So you must have done uh, something right uh, with Barcelona. And speaking about racing, I know you want to win Kona, but <laughs> is there any other race in the world that you want to win or is Kona it? You know what I really want is for Ironman to be in the Olympics. That's what I really, really <laughs> want. But, 
Yeah, or some or some kind of long triathlon at least. I mean, I still have faith that in in the Olympics there's going to be this this long triathlon, which basically is, which has kind of like a three hour swim, a three hour bike, and a three hour run, and then that's that would be exactly what I was made for, and and then we'll be talking. <laughs> so you just need to get on to the Olympic Federation um, and uh, get them to put in a long distance triathlon for you. Yeah, but I reckon my mum's on that. She'll she she's a very strong woman. She'll she'll do that. We have a couple of audience questions that have come in over social media. Uh, oh. Just a couple of them now. So Gabe Tabo or Tabo says, "What's your favorite run session?" Uh, favorite run session. Uh, I would like to just say like a run session where I feel where I feel good, but um. <laughs> And that could be anything um but generally one of my favorite sessions is probably when i'm at home i do a long run which basically involves just running up a mountain and back down uh and there's no cars it's just very small mountain road and my dad follows me on the bike to give me give me water and stuff and it's just yeah time time always seems to fly on them runs because it's just cool you run up and then the way back down seems seems easy and what is your favorite uh, discipline swim bike or run triathlon as a whole not any any individual part of it no probably cycling i'd say why um just because that's always out of the three sports it's always what i've had the most natural ability to do i think uh and as a kid i every like i always remember just wanting to go on long rides with with my dad or with my mum and and yeah i just i just love doing epic long days on, on the bike to be honest okay Sean Head on Instagram asks, what's your top tip for help with recovery between sessions and what food do you eat to fuel the engine? Top tip for recovery, I think, is not having kids, not being married, um, sleeping on your own. <laughs> um, yeah, they sound like three good recovery tips. We definitely no, need no. to throw you into Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> I play very close attention to... Um, to my nutrition and just in, in general um i think one of the biggest uh biggest things to do is just kind of is is, is preparation can like for instance like this morning i got up at five to go swimming and i go straight to strength and rather than just waking up at five and and i mean rushing there like the day the night before i always make sure i prepare like whatever it is fuel wise i need so if it's a protein shake between the sessions or like i don't know just cook some rice and put it in a box it just it takes it, it might take 10 minutes, but it's them small things that actually make that session worth it because I don't see a point in in kind of training the wrong energy systems or not being in a place you want to, if you know what I mean. There's no point going in the water if you're if you're smashed. Um so so yeah, kind of I think the biggest biggest priority for me is putting your health before before your training, if you know what I mean. So if you're not healthy, there's no point in trying to train your body. So yeah just kind of keeping them always on top of your health before you trying to get fit i think that's very good advice and then the second part of that question was what food do you eat to fuel your engine a lot of a lot of carbohydrates um Haribos? i used to yeah 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 haribos are very good um uh even yeah we have a factory not that far from us so haribos are very good um other than that yeah i use uh, i use endurance which is um which is a, a kind of prototype company based in I can't remember if it's Slovenia, Slovakia. God, they're going to hate me for for saying for saying the wrong country. And yeah, so I generally just when I'm training a lot of carbs, and I outside of that, I try and 
it's, it's amazing how much protein like as an athlete you do need uh so and i think a lot of a lot of kind of people in their day-to-day life don't necessarily have enough protein because if you think about how much time the triathlete spends breaking down his muscles then then you do you do need some protein do you use the super sapiens app yeah i have been using it and they're they're even sponsoring me now Brilliant. um yeah so i put it on for the first time in 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 bolton because they were they were handing them out there and uh i said if i if i before i said if i win will you sponsor me and i didn't but they 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 like my style so yeah it's cool um and how addicted to the numbers are you because i've been wearing one as well since bolton obviously various ones yeah. because they last for 14 days but i'm definitely addicted to the numbers yeah i think i think it's um it's really it's really good um what what i've noticed for instance is i used to uh, i used to wake up quite a bit during the night like to go to the toilet or whatever and i, I never really knew why and now i've noticed that it's basically every time my blood sugar levels go too low my body's like wakes up and thinks it needs a wee but i don't uh, i just need some haribos so like twice a night i probably wake up and have a handful of haribos and go back to sleep um yeah on the, after a big base training not not every not every night no and um, we definitely need to get haribo sponsoring you now as well yeah i know yeah, yeah. that's that'd be a life <laughs> that'll be a life goal that and winning yeah. corner yeah yeah definitely but um no it was actually what was really good for was for in bolton when i hit the wall i presumed it would have been sugar but looking at the data it wasn't at all like my sugar levels were fine so it's good to know because i probably would have changed like all my nutrition i've done something stupid if if that wasn't if i didn't have that yeah it's it's very definitely very interesting and uh, from a personal perspective as well like even just i've been watching what i eat and when i eat and and the spikes and the and yeah, yeah. The, the highs and the lows of of the glucose level uh, it's really interesting and i know i can eat too many magnums after a hard swift race my glucose oh, levels that, don't spike so that's always good <laughs> that's that's that, that's worth it that's worth it and yeah just that. totally <laughs> now i'd say a <laughs> third one would it, be gluttony <laughs> yeah but it's amazing how like different people react i think that's what what's interesting is that different people react to so like we could both wake up and we both have i don't know porridge with banana or something and, and it might make you spike but not me or whatever so yeah it, it's good to know what works for you if you know what i mean and at the moment cocoa pops are doing well for me so oh my gosh cocoa pops wow okay no <laughs> not for me uh final question sam on the podcast what achievement in your life are you most proud of um my family can i say that mm-hmm yeah, I mean it's not it's not an achievement, but um, we are just kind of a bit like a an orchestra, and um, and I'm I'm yeah I'm so grateful to have the family that I do have. Lovely. Well, I'm sure they're extremely proud of you. And one final question, actually, on top of the final final question, this is the yeah, final final, the final, final final final. How many of them are going to Kona with you this year? Hopefully, uh, hopefully all, all well my my main my main team, so my brother and my parents. Yeah, hopefully they they'll be able to come. Yeah we're asking for an NIE at the moment. Very good. Well, listen, the very best of luck to you with your very ambitious goals. I'm sure they're not uh, out of your reach at all. And I can't wait to see you uh, on the top step of a podium very, very soon. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. That's try with an I, not a Y. I'd love to connect on social media. You can find me at all the usual places, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by, say hi, let me know what you think of the show. If you're new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be impressed and inspired by our guests. 
Until next time, stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day.